It is great to be in the house of God. Amen? Yes, indeed. I invite you, church family, to turn in your Bibles now for the message, Gospel of John, chapter 21. Gospel of John, chapter 21. And as you're turning in your Bibles here in the sanctuary, I want to invite our wonderful radio listeners to our very special upcoming seven-week series with Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar. Radio listeners, in the weeks to come, up until the third Sunday of June, we have the privilege of having Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar bring a fantastic series of sermons called Now is the Time. And we want to invite radio listeners to join us here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue in Scarborough for this exciting dynamic series from one of Canada's very best preachers. Amen. Amen. So, keep uh, looking there for John chapter 15, or 21 rather, and uh, as you're turning, one of our men, one of our men this week told me to pass on to you the following story. The gentleman is Saf, a man that is very much loved by his wife and family and loved by us here at Rosewood Church. And Saf said to me, Pastor Nick, you, uh, you got to tell this story. I said, what is it, brother? He said, well, you, he said, there was a gentleman, there's a gentleman driving on the highway and he got a phone call. He got a phone call from his wife. His wife said, honey, honey, are you okay? Well, yeah, I'm okay. And why, why are you asking? She said, well, I thought I'd better call to see if you're okay because there's, uh, there's, there's news. There's news going on. I'm listening to the news and the news people are saying that there's somebody, somebody who's driving on the highway going the wrong way. He said, honey, he said, honey, there isn't just a somebody. There's a whole lot of people going the wrong way. Well, some of you got it, some of you don't. Saf, uh, next time I'm going to ask you to tell it, brother. <laughs> All right. Okay. My friends, this is part three in this brief series of messages that I've entitled, Jesus Challenges You and Me. And he gives us some tremendous challenges in John 21. Let's recount the story once again, beginning at verse 15. This uh, dialogue here happened shortly or sometime after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus appeared to them while they had been out fishing. And then on the beach, Jesus had this conversation with Peter. And it says... After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know 
that I love you, Jesus said, than feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him? Verse 22, Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumors spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have packed this portion of your Holy Bible with challenges. Challenges to Peter, but challenges also to us that apply so vividly. I ask once again that you would open up our minds and hearts to your word and your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In parts one and two of this message, I shared with you what I believe are some very powerful truths. And for any of you who perhaps have not heard those messages, I would encourage you to go to our website and listen. And you can also see a summary of uh, the message from last Sunday, for example, a summary in your bulletin. But my friends, as we look at this story once again today, I want you to realize and focus with me on this first truth today. And this first truth is, Jesus challenges you and me to not get distracted from following him. To not get distracted. Peter was getting distracted. I want you to notice this truth basically comes from verses 20 and uh, to 22. Uh, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. This is actually John, the author of this part of the Bible. Peter saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him? And then, uh, and then when we come to verse 22, Jesus replied, if I want him, that is John, to remain alive until you return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus was saying to Peter, 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 young man, don't get distracted. Follow me. Your job, Peter, is follow me. Do not get distracted. And I know what Pastor Lisa here is thinking. She, she's probably thinking uh, she was at the at the GROW conference with us yesterday, and uh, the district superintendent had asked me to do a workshop or a seminar on preaching, 
for the pastors, and she was at that seminar, and uh, in, towards the end of the seminar, I guess I told, I told the, the class what I was going to be speaking on today, and uh, Pastor Lisa is there thinking, what's he doing? Because he didn't mention this truth uh, in, in that seminar yesterday. That's what you're thinking, aren't you? Well, Dr. Lisa, I got some new inspiration after yesterday's seminar. That's all it boils down to. So I had to include this in the message, okay? So Peter was getting distracted over what was going to happen to John. That's what was happening here in the scripture, in the scripture portion. Think about this. What are some distractions that we face, you and I face? What are, what are, or what might be some of those distractions? Well, they could be a particular person. In a sense, John was somewhat of a distraction. He, he shouldn't have been, but Peter got distracted easily, just as some folks do today. Uh, sometimes a particular person might be a distraction to you in terms of you following Jesus. Isn't that right? I mean, you think about your life across the years. It's very probable that sometimes there was someone in your life, or maybe there's someone even right now. Maybe it was a boyfriend, maybe it was a girlfriend, maybe, maybe it was someone you just hung out with at school or at work, wherever it might be. But, but lots of times people have had distractions, a person or persons who have been distractions in one way or another. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Put your hand up, okay? All right? How many of you are sitting beside the distraction? <laughs> no. <laughs> Debbie, put your hand down, girl. Put your hand down. No, don't do that. <laughs> well, you know what? <clears throat> You've got to make a choice to either not let that person distract you from following Jesus, or you may have to say, I need to part company with this person. By the way, if you're married, that's a different story. <laughs> you are stuck with him or her. <laughs> when I say stuck, in a nice way, in a nice way. You got to work at it, work at it. Okay? Okay, what's another distraction? For, the, the, for those of you making notes, it would be point B. For some of you, a dis another distraction might be the inability to understand how something in the Bible could possibly happen. Over the years, I've heard sometimes people say things like, um, like, well, you know, pastor, there's this story in the Bible about Jonah who was swallowed by a, a big fish. Uh, people often say a whale, but anyway, the Bible just really talks about a fish. And so sometimes people have said, pastor, you know, Jonah was swallowed by this this big fish, and then he, he, uh, he ended up on the beach, and, and his life was saved. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know how that could have happened. You know, I, I have a tough time believing in the Bible when I, read, when I read crazy stories like that. Well, you know, what am I supposed to do, pastor, with a story like that? My response is very simply, God performs unusual miracles. If he wants to save your life through some big fish... He'll save your life through a big fish. If he wants to save your life, save your life through a little turtle coming your way and you, you, you mount the turtle and the turtle, turtle takes you all the way to shore. 
He'll bring a little turtle or a big turtle. Amen? That's, that's what it boils down to. Sometimes, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I have a hard time really believing in the Bible and all it says about Jesus because, because it says, you know, Jesus fed, fed um, over 5,000 people, which means with family members, wives, and all that stuff, there were probably over 15,000 people. And uh, so, so I hear that Jesus fed, Jesus fed all these people with a little boy's little lunch. Well, what kind of crazy stuff is that? Well, it's not crazy stuff. Don't let that be a distraction to you. What that is is a beautiful miracle. It was a miracle that Jesus performed. Jesus was able, Jesus who made the winds and the waves, Jesus who made this world, he's able to take, he's able to take Pastor Lisa's little lunch and turn it into something that could multiply and feed the whole city of Toronto and Ontario and Canada. Amen? So don't let your inability to understand something in the Bible, don't let it be a distraction. I mean, think about it this way. Most of you have fancy-dancy, lovely phones, whatever brand they might be. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. When you were a kid, you never knew that you'd ever have a phone that could do all the kind of stuff that it does, right? Right, my wife says. Well, you know what? Most of you use these fancy phones, these so-called smartphones. And, and, and I use one now. <laughs> Our church board pressured me a few years ago that I had to get a cell phone. And, and then, you know, I got a flip phone. And some of you made fun of my flip phone. And then my wife and kids, I guess, felt sorry for me. And they got me the fancy phone uh, at Christmas a few years ago. And... and uh, and so, you know, I use this, I use this fancy phone now, but uh, the reality is this. None of you here, none of you here, including me, none of you really understand how in the world, how in the world, I can't understand how in the world I can punch in certain numbers and I can listen to another pastor's sermon from who knows where in the world. You know what I mean? You don't understand how that happens. Oh, yeah, you know, there's satellites, satellites, and this and that. But ultimately, ultimately, none of us really understand how it happens. But over the years, God gave the, the skill. God gave the skill to technicians and engineers to develop phone systems and all kinds of other gadgets in order for these kinds of things to happen. What I'm saying is your inability to understand uh, or lack of ability to understand how something in the Bible could possibly happen should not, should not hinder you, okay? Don't let it distract you from following Jesus. Amen? What's another distraction? <clears throat> well, point C. Another distraction might be a job. A job. Now, we want everyone to have a good job. If you want a job, need a job. That, that, that's true. But some of you have heard me tell this years ago probably. When I was a teenager... I started going to the Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene. That's where I came to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And then the following summer, I got a wonderful job. I got a wonderful job, paid me big bucks, big bucks, $1.50 an hour. <laughs> got a job at Knob Hill Farms, pushing buggies and uh, working in the meat department. Amen. All right. Uh, but, but, during that summer... It was a summer job. During that summer, I had to work on Sundays. 
uh, to work on Sundays. Sunday was the, probably the busiest day for Knob Hill Farms. For those of you who are too young to know Knob Hill Farms, it was one of the wonderful, strong uh, supermarkets back up until a few years ago, okay? But anyway, so I, work, I worked on Sundays, but I'd go home. You know, I think I usually started at 8 a.m. in the morning, Sundays. I, I'd go home about, oh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and I'd sit, my, sit in my uh, bed, and I'd take my Bible to read before I go to, go to sleep. I just start reading my Bible, and something within me said, Nick, you need to be in church. You miss church today, and you miss Sunday school. You miss church, and you miss Sunday school. I can't remember exactly how many Sundays I missed church. I don't think it was too many, but, but, but very, very soon, very soon I knew what I needed to do. Even though, even though I appreciated that dollar fifty an hour job, excuse me, excuse me. After one week, after one week, the manager said, "Nick, you're a very hard worker. I'm going to give you a raise, a dollar seventy-five an hour." Okay, dollar seventy-five an hour. <laughs> okay, um, but anyway, I uh, as a, I guess I think I was seventeen years old about that. I uh, I had to go. I had to go to my manager. I had to go to my manager and said, "Sir." I really appreciate this job, and I know you probably have a list of 50, 50 young people who want a job here over the summer. But, sir, I, I, I have to ask you, please, I cannot work on Sundays. I cannot work on Sundays. Please schedule me for Monday to Saturday, 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., whatever you want. But don't book me on Sunday, please. Would you do that? To be honest with you, I was expecting, I was expecting him to say, Nick, Sunday's our busiest day. Goodbye. Goodbye, boy. Goodbye. To my surprise, to my surprise, he said, Nick, I really appreciate, I really appreciate what you, you just told me. Nick, you take, you take Sundays off. You take Sundays off so you can go to church and I'll schedule you the rest of the week. That was a victory for me. It was a victory for a young, young teenage kid. You know, what I'm saying is, my friends, listen, in our society, I realize that there are some people, services of necessity, some of you, some of you are in those services of necessity. I understand there's some people that have to work on Sundays, but, but in, in, in many cases, in many cases, all right, when a, when a job interferes, when a job interferes with following Jesus, then, then we need to take some steps to make the necessary changes. Amen? Amen? And God will honor us for it. He'll find and do what needs to be done in order for us to stay on track in following Jesus. Amen? All right, what are some other distractions? Point D. Well, could be an inability to say no to activities which would take you away which would take you away from church services and Sunday school. That's right. There are all kinds of distractions. In a big city like Toronto, probably in little towns as well, there are all kinds of distractions. Anytime, anytime the spring and the summer and the fall come around, in our city, for example, what, what happens? 
so many weekends, there are five kilometer runs and 10 kilometer runs and marathons and bikeathons and headathons and, and, and all this. And when are they? Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings. All right? And Christians have to, have to make the choice and, 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 and do what's necessary to say, I will declare and say no to activities which will take me away from church services and Sunday school. And when parents, when parents do not follow that pattern, guess what? The kids, the kids end up following the pattern of the parents. And then the kids, the kids run the risk of falling away from the Lord as well. I've seen it happen. I've been pastoring for 37 years. I know what I'm talking about. I see it happen, and I caution you, all right? Then uh, there are other, there are other um, distractions as well. For example, E, for those of you making notes, a preoccupation with going, preoccupation with, with going after riches, for instance. Sometimes that can be a distraction. Or F, a past hurt. A past hurt might be a distraction for you in terms of following Jesus. And there are many other distractions. If we were to take some time here, there, there, there are many of you who could tell me a whole list of other, other uh, distractions. But my friends, Jesus challenges us, you and me, to not get distracted from following him. There's a very high probability, as I speak these words, there are many here and many radio listeners that even this week and right now, are being distracted and you have to make a decision to say Lord I will no longer be distracted instead I will follow you faithfully amen amen let me take you to a second challenge which is kind of connected to the first one that I just mentioned Second challenge is this. Jesus challenges you and me <laughs> to mind our own business. To mind our own business. Is there an amen in the house? All right. This, this comes out in verses 20, 21, and 22. And in verse 22, <clears throat> Jesus replied, well, you know, uh, Peter, Peter was kind of was saying to Jesus, uh, Peter was saying, Jesus, you know, what about John? You kind of told me what's going to happen with me, but what's going to happen with John? Like, you know, I'd like, I'd like to kind of know. Like so many of you, you want to you know, know every, uh, every other person's business, even though it doesn't really, really pertain to you. You know what I mean? N not you. We're talking about other people, right? Okay? But Jesus, verse 22, Jesus replied to Peter and said, If I want him, that is John, to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow, say it with me, follow me. Follow me. Jesus was saying to him, Peter, mind your own business for once. Mind your own business, Pete. Just follow me, will you? Stick with me. Focus on me. Don't get distracted. In case you didn't know, there's this other Bible verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 that says, read it with me from the big screen. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, 
minding your own business. <laughs> Amen. A- Amen. Uh, minding, minding your own business means refraining from meddling in other people's affairs. Did you know that's what it means? All right. Refrain from meddling in other people's affairs. Spiritually speaking, focus on your own relationship with Jesus. Don't get absorbed with what the Lord is expecting of other people. You know? Don't get absorbed with what the Lord is expecting of other people. Focus on your relationship. Amen? All right. Let me take you to a third, third truth. Jesus challenges you and me to not spread rumors. I hardly ever talk about this. I guess because, because I, I'm, I'm kind of one who's inclined to think most Christians don't do that, you know. But, but the only reason I'm bringing this up today is because it, it comes up in the biblical account here. And, um, and really it boils down to Jesus challenging you and me to not spread rumors. In verse 23, read it with me from the big screen. <clears throat> so the rumors spread among the community of believers that this disciple, that is John, wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In Exodus chapter 23, verse 1, it also says, you must not pass along false rumors. Now here's a definition of a rumor. A rumor is... A currently circulating story or report of uncertain or doubtful truth. It's information or a story that is passed from one person to another, but has not been proven to be true and has no known source. In other words, it's gossip or hearsay. Hearsay. Proverbs 18, verse 8 says this. It says, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Feed on that for a moment. Read it, read it. Okay, read it out loud. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Stick with me for a moment. The Life Application Study Bible. By, by the way, by the way, if you if if you're looking for a Bible to buy in the near future, I strongly recommend to you the Life Application Study Bible, New Living Translation. I suggested mention this to the pastors last uh, well yesterday in, in the class that I led. But uh, a lot of you, I'm sure, have this. Some of the pastors already have it. But anyway, it's it's a very helpful, very helpful tool. And the Life Application Study Bible commentator says the following about Proverbs 18, verse 8. 
that we just read. He says, he says, it is hard, it is hard to refuse to listen to rumors and gossip as it is to turn down a delicious dessert. Let me run that by again. It is hard to refuse to listen to rumors and gossip as it is to turn down a delicious dessert. Taking just one morsel of either one creates a taste for more. Then he goes on and says, you can resist rumors the same way a determined dieter resists candy. And that is, never even open up the box. Right, says someone. Right. All right? All right? My friends, Jesus challenges us to not spread rumors. Don't gossip. Sometimes when I've needed to deal with, uh, with these things, it's really boggled my mind how some things ever get started. I'm going to tell you a true story. Well, usually, usually the stories I tell you are true unless someone has made something up. But I, I'm going to tell you something that, that really happened. Okay? I guess it was just over three years ago. This is before, before we chose to ask Pastor Lucas to become our youth minister here. During a, a two-year period when we were looking for the right youth minister, one day... One day, someone came to see me and, and said, uh, Pastor Nick, I hear, I hear that you're going to have Pastor Stuart Williams come back to be our, our um, youth pastor once again. Now, for those of you who are newer to our church, you need to know that Pastor Stuart Williams was our youth minister back in the early 2000s, okay? He was a wonderful youth pastor, and he's a, he's a great pastor, all right? But anyway, so he was our youth pastor back then. And then he uh, went from serving in our church to, to kind of be a youth pastor here over the Ontario Nazarene churches. And, and then after that, he accepted a pastoral position in Calgary at the Skyline Church where he currently still serves. But here's the point. Here's the point I want to make. During that time when we were looking for a youth pastor, someone came to me and said, so Pastor Nick, I hear that Rosewood is going to have Pastor Stu Williams come back as the youth minister. And I said, uh, say what? Yeah, I heard that Pastor Stewart is Coming back to Rosewood to carry on as youth pastor. And I said, no, he's not. No, he's not. I said, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you can tell me. You don't have to, you don't have to keep it quiet for me. And I said, well, why, you know, how come you're hiding it from me or from us? I said, because there's nothing to hide. I said, I said I, you're telling me that someone told you Pastor Stewart is going to come back to Rosewood to be the youth pastor. And I said, well, if that was the case, there's, that's fine. There's nothing to hide. But I said, 
we've never discussed. We've never discussed having him come back. We never discussed it at, at uh, youth council meetings, never discussed it at, at church board meetings, never discussed it as staff. And so I said, I have absolutely no idea why someone told you that Pastor Stewart is going to come and be our new youth minister. And this dear person said, well, well, I heard it. And I said, well, you know, I don't know what you folks hear and where you get your information. But, you know, since I'm the senior pastor here, I kind of know some things, okay? And I'm the one who will recommend or not recommend whoever it will be to be the youth pastor. And, uh, and uh, Pastor Stu is serving a church where he is. He's doing a wonderful job there. And I'm a pastor who does not want to interrupt the ministry of other churches, if at all we can help it, if we can help it, all right? And, and, and so I love Pastor Stewart, and he loves me. For any of you who, who just question whether he loves me, I can show you, I can show you uh, uh, something that's framed in the office downstairs. He sent me this beautiful, beautiful uh, email, I don't know, three or four years ago, just telling me how somehow my life blessed him when, I was, when he was here and all that. So I tell you that just in case, you know, you wonder. Uh, but Pastor Stu and I, we have a great relationship. And in fact, we had him for revival services as our speaker last fall. Remember? Yes. Okay. So anyway, what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying is, you know, Jesus, Jesus here was warning, was warning about rumors. And in the, in the example that I just gave you with Pastor Stu, I still remember thinking, how in the world, how in the world does wrong information like that ever come about? You know? Now that wasn't a terrible thing. No, that wasn't a terrible thing. But it, it caused me to say, if wrong information like that is passed around, Lord help us if, if some other very serious, very serious, terrible information is passed along about a person or persons. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and what really bothered me about the fact that this person was telling me that you know, we made a decision to have Pastor Stu and he's coming and all that. What bothered me was simply the fact that, that, uh, that somehow, somehow there can be a rumor mill, a gossip mill, that can cause a lot of damage. So what it boils down to, my friends, is this. Jesus challenges you and me to not spread rumors. If you're involved in any way... Whether it's at home, whether it's at work, at school, at church, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. All right? Praise God. Uh, this hardly ever comes up in the messages that I do, but this came up uh, in, in this passage of Scripture. And so all I normally do is I, I try to exposit, exposit, bring to the surface some of the truths that are here and sometimes they're not always, um, always just easily seen until some pastor or someone else kind of brings it out for you, for us. Amen. Amen. All right. I, I, I'm just curious. Some of you are probably not going to admit it, but I, I'm just curious. About three years ago, three years ago, how, how many of you heard, heard that rumor that Pastor Stu was going to come to be the youth pastor back here once again? Just put, put your hand up. If, let me see. Let me see. Okay, some of you aren't admitting it. That, that's okay. That's okay. 
I'm not going to spread I'm not going to spread rumors about you, okay? <laughs> anyway, all right. Let me take you to a fourth powerful truth. Fourth truth is this. Jesus challenges us to recognize that total commitment to Jesus may be very costly. Now this comes from what we read in verses 18 and 19 where it says, Jesus is speaking, I tell you the truth, when you were young, speaking to Peter, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. My friends, Jesus was telling Peter that eventually he would be crucified. That's what he was saying. In fact, in fact, Tertullian, who lived around 200 A.D., Tertullian and other early church fathers tell us that Peter was crucified in Rome. Peter even asked, he asked to be crucified upside down because he did not feel he was worthy of the same type of crucifixion as his Lord Jesus. My friends, lordship for you may sometimes cost you. It can cost you time, inconvenience. It can cost you giving up your will. It can cost you money, your talent, and more. Now please stick with me. Recently, it was just a few weeks ago, recently our associate minister, Reverend Lisa Otar, and I, met with one of the wonderful men of our church just to discuss a variety of subjects. Towards the latter part of our meeting, he began to show us a video on his phone. Initially, um, initially he didn't tell us what the video was about. He just said, um, why don't you watch this for few moments. Sometimes some of you go around showing people a, a fun video that you found on the internet, such as a little kitten, you know, chasing a big dog, and sometimes you'll show those little snippets to, to Pastor Lisa and myself or Pastor Lucas, and, and uh, I, I wondered if maybe it was that kind of a video, but this, this was not, it was not that kind of a video at all. No way. As we watched the video uh, on his phone, at first, I really wasn't sure what was going on. I've been meaning to ask Pastor Lisa if, you know, she's a little brighter than I am, and I thought maybe she caught on faster than I did. I, I don't know. But at first, I wasn't sure what was going on. <clears throat> at first, I saw some people pushing some other people, pushing other men and women into what appeared, what appeared to be kind of a, a little valley or a depression in the ground. 
And the people who were being pushed also looked like they were pushing back. There were, there were a lot of other people kind of on the sidelines. They were up on the little mound there on the sidelines. And, and, and my mind was too occupied just trying to figure out what, what, what was happening with this pushing. Uh, but as far as I recall, there were quite a few people, a large group, on, on the sidelines looking on. And initially I was wondering if this was kind of some kind of a cultural dance that people came to see or, or what? Then, then I saw the guys who were doing most of the pushing begin to hit the others with some sticks and branches and whatever else they had in their hand. And in my, in my head, in my head, I, I, I said, we're just watching, but I said, I said, stop hitting them. Just stop hitting them. You, you might hurt them. Whatever you're doing is getting out of control. That's what was going on in my, in my head as I'm watching this. Then, then I saw them push some of the victims on some dry branches and they lit a fire. They lit a fire. They pushed the victims into the fire. And inside of me, inside of my heart and mind, I was shouting, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. What is this? Stop it. I probably could have gotten the video to show you, but it still bothers me as I reflect upon it. I didn't want, to sh didn't want you to see it, to be honest with you. My ears, my ears, my ears finally, finally tuned in to, to the soundtrack, to the soundtrack that was playing. I'm pretty sure the music was, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. My ears tuned in to the soundtrack. And then suddenly, suddenly I realized that what Pastor Lisa and I were watching, what we were watching were, were Christians in a foreign country who were being persecuted and killed just because they were Christians. And somehow someone, someone made this video, got video of it. And I felt, I felt a lot of anger. I felt a lot of anger to, towards the murderers. And I, and I felt even more anger towards the crowds, the crowds who were on the sidelines just watching. I mean, it, again, it's a small screen we're looking at. But as far as I could tell, they, they, were, they were just watching and watching and watching. And I thought, I thought, what's the matter? What's the matter with you people? What's, go what's going on? How can you stand there? How can you stand there watching them beat up and burn up their Christians? How can you live with yourself, man? How can you do that? doesn't matter who it is. How can you do that? Go down. Go down and stop that craziness. Don't just stand there watching. By the way, if ever, if ever you see someone, this is a side note here, if ever you see someone being mistreated, bullied, made fun of or whatever, step in and do what you can to stop it. 
Call the police if you have to. Get some other people to go over and say, what's going on here? Be responsible. And stop people from mistreating others. Amen? Don't just stand there like this, this crowd stood there. My friends, sadly, in some parts of the world, Christians are being regularly mistreated, tortured, and killed, just as happened in Emperor Nero's day in the first century. And you and I need, you and I need to pray for persecuted Christians in various parts of the world. We, we as a church here, we are in the process of trying to sponsor and, and bring to Canada a Christian family that for over a year had to be in hiding, in hiding, just so they wouldn't be killed by extremists. The Christian family had nothing, did, did nothing wrong, they did nothing wrong except profess faith and trust in Jesus Christ in that country. Now fortunately, fortunately in Canada, we have not yet seen extreme persecution of Christians, okay? We have not seen persecution of Christians in that extreme way. But we have to, we have to be careful, think of this now, we have to be careful which politicians we elect in, in, the, in the years ahead because things can change very quickly in a country. For, for instance, for instance, in the past, in previous years, churches and other, and other faiths as well, not just Christian churches, other organizations as well, were able, were able to apply for summer funds to hire some summer students for different programs. This year, this year on the application form that the, the government required, the government required if you were going to apply for funding to hire potential summer students, the government required all applicants to say that we, we agreed, we agreed with two issues which any Bible-believing Christian could not agree to. Could not agree to. And so a lot of Bible-believing churches like us and other organizations refused to apply for the summer student funds because we could not in good conscience say we agreed with the government's policy on two issues which are clearly against the Bible's teaching. All right? So what I'm saying is... In the future, let's stay alert as Christians and know, be aware, listen, and learn as to what various politicians stand for. Because if they are elected, the possibility is, the probability is, they are going to eventually get their way. And if they're going against God's word, it's going to mean trouble, trouble, trouble for the whole country as it will be trouble for individual Christians and Christian families as a whole in our nation. Amen? I don't like to end on a somber note, 
But sometimes we have to face reality. Face reality, folks. The disciple Peter was eventually crucified upside down for being a Christian. My friends, total commitment can be very costly. And the question is, how committed are you and I to Jesus? How committed are we? Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we reflect upon this powerful portion of Scripture, your word challenges us to be totally committed to you, Jesus. And we understand that sometimes it may mean paying a hefty price as some Christians around this world are already paying through their lives, through the torture, through the persecution, through their lives, as happened with Stephen in the Bible. Dear God, awaken all of us. Awaken us and keep us alert to the realities around us. But nevertheless, through it all, to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided. And now, Heavenly Father, as we receive the Lord's Supper, we want to celebrate our faith. And by receiving the Lord's Supper, we want to say, yes, I am committed wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ. Yes, I am, I am his. All to him I give. I surrender all. I am his. I am Christ's. Touch each heart and life, Lord, as we partake of the Lord's Supper in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.